Just know you're not alone Cause I'm gonna make this place your News Radio 840 WHAS. Good Sunday morning. Bob Sikoler, the Louisville Real Estate Show here with you till the top of the hour. Got a lot of interesting topics, things you want to hear about, then we're going to get right to it with us. Randy Rocky, Swan Financial. You can reach Randy at Swan and their great people at 6450736. Also a very svelte Lee Harris, Legal Counsel, Limestone Title and Escrow, 6497964 is Lee's number. My son Greg who is our head of marketing and photography and so much more. And you can reach me, Bob Sekoler, anytime on my cell phone, 376-5483 is my direct number. We're continuing to, uh, to look for homes to list and sell. We've got buyer agents ready to help you. By the way, something of interest to everybody, this just came out this past Wednesday. They did the numbers for 2020, and we are now, besides being ranked number one in the Louisville area, we're now the 25th ranked Remax team in the country. So, yeah, that's we're, awesome. We're, we're proud of it. So, and so, and we continue to move forward. Uh, one of the things that has got a lot of uh, buyers antsy are interest rates and the home buying market, which normally starts in uh, May, maybe April, is already underway here in March. And a lot of that has to deal with the fact that there's a low inventory. We were in a little more than a thousand homes, Greg, this past yep, week on yep. average for the, line, yeah. in the Louisville area. And the bigger problem, quite frankly, is the fact that rates are going up. So Randy, I know you go ahead and give out your NMLS number, but then where are interest rates as we're speaking uh, on this week? Right. So they're uh, two, six, three, six, two and interest rates are, you know, in the low threes and high twos. Uh, uh, and, and the reason that's happening is inflation. Uh, inflation is coming into play. So what happens is inflation is rising and, and, and the bond market saying, hey, we don't have quite the appetite at the rate it was before, so they have to raise them. And, and it's going to continue. Uh, uh, interest rates are going to continue to move up for about three months, and then they're going to settle in. And then we might see a little dip if inflation drops uh, uh, but if it continues to rise, um, uh, it might have a settling point, though. Yeah. So a couple of things that are concerning, the inventory of homes nationwide dropped in February by nearly 49% compared to the same time in 2020. The cost of homes increased uh, up 14% over the year before. Mortgage applications of new home purchases increased 19% in January of 2021. The only thing that seems to be declining to some level, Randy, mortgage refinances have plummeted uh, 43% from a year ago. Right, but it, it, uh, just out of the 11 trillion that's in the market, uh, uh, mortgages still 70% of the uh, people that have a mortgage can uh, take advantage of the low interest rates and actually save money. And they can well, still would, refinance. As of that right would now. make sense too, right? Because that flood came. Well, why would the flood keep coming, right? Like we, we understand that that right. flood of people are like, oh my goodness, rates, you can't pass this up. And now people may say, eh, maybe not a big deal, but it's still available because for some people, it's still yes. a deal. The rates haven't come back that much. That, that statistic Absolutely. to me just shows that it's not people that are, it's not that less people now are saying, I don't want to refi or, or the people that were in the position to in the beginning of the, of the wave hit it. And that's the, right. that's where you're seeing the stats. That's oh. right. You have the 70% of them are procrastinators to a certain extent, really. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. they're out that, there. which is your point, Greg. 
which is yeah. your point. Yeah. Yes, but my I think the bigger point for everybody is that rates are going up. They'll be a little bit higher, and there'll be a yeah. new norm that will be adjusted to. But after that, it seems like um, we'll get back in the frame of things. It's almost important for this to happen because there are just not enough homes on the market. Yeah, and, um, and you want to protect home values. You, you right. can't have this balloon. You can't yeah. have it keep going up and up. You've got to somehow yeah. quell the demand. That's right. However it looks. We're going to come back to another issue uh, in financing in just a minute. FHA loans, what are they and what can, uh, are they worthwhile mm-hmm. for you as a seller to accept? Lee, we'll try to get your input on this, but let's get to something that came up this week, uh, Lee Harris, uh, from a legal standpoint. And by the way, for those of you who don't know, Lee was legal counsel for the Real Estate Commission. How many years ago was it? Five years ago? Oh. I left 10 years ago, but I was there for 12 years. Seems like it was only yesterday that you left. (laughs) It really does. I tell you, everybody, this by way of the fact that Lee knows her stuff. And one of the things that is happening around the country that we're seeing problematic, and I want to explain that to everybody, what a love letter is. In fact, Greg, you want to go ahead? Why don't you take it? Explain what a well. I can do it, but I I want to give Greg. I, write, I mean, it's not like I write a great love letter or anything. My wife does. No, no. When it comes to buying a home, Greg. I know, and I'm saying she has very great guidance, and it's not ever. You know, listen. So you know, in the industry, obviously competition's crazy. So you we see it all in an offer letter, and something that you see is a love letter, something that they may be able to connect to in the home. They see uh, family was raised there, or the specific religion, and this is where we get into the question because of the protection of families, uh, familial status, religion, race, creed, all that kind of good stuff. If you're writing a love letter to some seller saying, I love your home. I see that you have this. We would love to bring our family in here. Da, 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 and, you know, and, and it seems harmless because you're just trying to connect. But what happens to the person who doesn't and feels discriminated against? And that is, i.e., where the question of our love letters ethical. And we know that NAR hasn't taken a firm stance as far as no, they're absolutely not. But there is an ethical conversation going on for sure. Yeah, And let's explain that Every agent, because there are so few homes, every agent is trying to find a way of swaying their buyer's offer Mm -hmm. to give them a better chance of getting the home. So one of the things that's been used are love letters or pictures of the family included in an offer or even in some cases, video of the family. And Lee, what you're telling us and what we've been talking about this past week is that could be problematic in creating bigger problems. Yes, NAR has come out with, uh, it, it's been an issue for you know years, people have been doing this. It's obviously because of the market, it's becoming more commonplace. And so it was either gonna be, they were gonna go for it and say, yes, you could do it, or they're gonna say, no, you can't. And so in October of 2020, NAR did put out a, a, a memorandum stating that buyer's agents should not be doing this, that they feel it's a code of ethics violation. And uh, they're saying that you really shouldn't uh, Help your buyer write the letter and you should not deliver it to the seller. So a buyer's agent should not be involved in that because it could become a fair housing issue. It could be, you know, when you have a, a, hey, we have a family, there's a picture of them in front of their Christmas tree, that's religion. You know, obviously, if there's a picture of them, you can see what race they so, are, what national Lee, origin they quick, are. Real quick, my question on this is, if it is, so who does it, who would it fall on? Who would be in trouble for fair housing? Is it the seller for accepting that letter and then i.e. possibly discriminating against another buyer or is it the agent or the buyer for writing that letter and dropping it off where where do we get in trouble who would get in trouble if we're looking at the finer points it is the agents and the seller because uh sellers are just as uh, liable under fair housing as agents you're saying the seller's agent or the buyer's agent 
both because everyone should know better. Yeah, the seller themselves can be found in violation of fair housing if they choose a buyer for a reason that is not monetary or you know based on the terms and conditions of the contract, but basically based upon oh, I think this family is really cute and look, you know they're uh, you know they're obviously uh, Christians because they got a Christmas tree and you know so I want them. I don't want this single person over here or you know somebody else is being like Greg said discriminated against because they can't get in there because of this letter. And so NAR has said, don't do it. It's a code of ethics issue and it's a fair housing issue. So understand from a seller or buyer standpoint, what we're talking about is that uh, this could go bye-bye and apparently is going bye-bye, yet we're still seeing these things um, being passed around. Lee, suggestions for any agents who are listening to this conversation? Should they stop immediately writing love letters? Yes. And they, and if you're a seller's agent, I think you should refuse to present it because uh, basically the NAR has ruled that and, and you don't want to be in violation of the code of ethics. So I think you just need to explain to your clients, like, you know, this should be a business decision. We shouldn't be writing letters about our family or anything else, showing pictures, anything like that. And for sellers, you need to be making your decisions based upon, you know, the actual offer and not, and not uh, emotional issues like a, like a letter. All right. So you know me, I'm going to, I'm going to jump into the gray uh oh who who flags this so how would how would one find out right if a letter so you, basically in my oh, mind i can tell you that answer Lee, well, it would be like the a, agent saying you lost out because the losing the, was the losing better. agent if they find out that they're going the go to the other agent they can go to the, the board bring up a, mm-hmm. could be a variety of things that could right be. no i get it listen yeah. listen i'm getting it it's yeah. just when it comes down to the end of it we are in a dog-eat dog market no i get it and i'm just asking in the gray because like you said yeah. that's why i ask who gets in trouble if the buyer just goes yeah. and drops the letter off by themselves on the front doorstep or rings the doorbell of the and, and knocks mm-hmm. and tries to talk to the seller themselves and saying, Hey, if it comes down to that, forget the letter, go knock on their door and see if you can bring them well, an apple pie. Like would, what? But let me back up here. Line? Hold on. Let me, let me interrupt here. You know, what if, Lee, this give me this scenario. Let's say uh, the agent tells their buyer, Hey, listen, take this love letter or create a letter about why you like it and go drop it off at the, the seller's home. Does anybody violate that at uh, the love letter ordinance or whatever we're going to call yeah, it? Yeah, I don't. I, I think that's going above the gray. I think that's going against the your right, assisting the seller them. Could and, still be okay. held, the seller right. could still just, be yeah. in trouble. Yeah, and the seller. Yeah, and the seller needs to understand they are they are just as responsible under the law as their agent is. It's all, their, honestly, I you know we, we we know our board and and most rules and regs are way behind play here, but it's like an EPA pamphlet. It's almost like the seller, the listing agents should be required to give the sellers a fair housing document. We discuss it, but to give them a fair housing document that updates, here's where you could be stepping out of line if you decide to do this, have them sign it, release liability for the seller's agent, but you know, I might be asking too much of our, of our board, but then again, you know, all right, let's move on. We've belabored that one enough. Some uh, reminders. <laughs> if you'd like to see a replay of this show, go to louisvilleanswers.com. That's louisvilleanswers.com. That's a redirect to our YouTube channel. You'll be able to see a rebroadcast of this video show, what we're doing. Also, if you want to see what people are writing about us in the way of reviews, do not hesitate. Go to louisvillezillow.com. You can hear what sellers are saying about us. Go to louisvillesellerstalk.com. And again, we're continuing to look for homes. The market is so tight right now. Any home that we get on the market, we're selling within a matter of a couple of days. So for the most part, you can give me a call at 376-5483. Coming up a little later on, by the way, in today's show, how to prepare your house for a winning sale this spring. There's another question that is important about FHA loans, and that is 
Lee Harris and Randy Rocky, an FHA loan, what does that do for a buyer? And in an FHA loan, there are sellers who don't want to accept those loans. So, Randy, can we start with you? What is an FHA loan? Why does a buyer need it? Well, uh, FHA loans are uh, uh, Federal Housing Administration loans, and they are generally someone who has a credit score that's less than 680, 680 or less. Mm -hmm. And the reason they're important is, you know, it helps first-time home buyers um, um, and all the above. I just do not, the perception was back in the day and legitimate that, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I should say, to be specific, is that an FHA loan was tougher to get through uh, an appraisal scenario. If there's, uh, uh, you know, some uh, around the windows, if there wasn't paint or something, well, now an FHA loan and a conventional loan are the same. I mean, they really are. And But there's still a perception out there that an FHA loan is tougher for a closing, and it's not. But and, let me ask you, let me uh, interrupt, so, though, Randy. Yeah. Isn't it true yeah. that when an FHA appraisal is done, they're also doing another inspection? And if there is peeling paint, slow drains, or a crack in the window, they're going to write it up even if the buyer doesn't care, and it didn't come up in an inspection report or repair request. Yes, and they will do that on conventional as well now. Oh, they are. I do, That's no what I'm trying that. to say. Oh, very good. So that that makes it equalizes both FHA and convention. That, that is summers, correct, but right. not in the mind yeah. of some agents. I mean, think about right. talking about fair exactly. housing violations. Exactly. You're looking right. at somebody that's who's like, I, I won't take any FHA loans because that person doesn't doesn't shouldn't be in this house. That's that's fair housing. That, that's interesting. Hopefully, those agents are listening to the show. So then, let me ask Lee from a legal standpoint: Is it discrimination if a seller says, "Well, I don't want to even entertain an FHA loan"? Should we be in counseling? or send the seller to an attorney who could counsel them about discrimination? I don't think it's discriminatory because they're not necessarily uh, uh, basing their decision on a protected class. They're basing not it on- They're not being they, specific enough, right? <laughs> they perceive it to be a financial issue, but like I'm gonna have to do more repairs or you know, they're gonna be harsher on my inspection. They perceive it as some kind of financial issue if they have another person who's come in with a conventional loan. So at this point, it's going to be what Randy just said. It's going to be educating people that there's really no difference. You know, it's, who cares what kind of loan they get? You know, they're going to make sure that the house is safe and sound and, and that certain conditions are met. But, you know, if the person qualifies, then I don't see why the seller would necessarily uh, not choose them simply because they're getting an FHA loan. Okay, yeah, well, but, you know, there's there's education and then there's real world, right? We can educate them that FHA and conventional are supposed to be on an equal playing field, but we know living in the field, they just doesn't seem to be the case 100% of the time. And if we're yeah. doing our due diligence to our clients and setting them up for success, that's what we're educating them on, right? So it's, it's you know. All right, well, we'll move forward, but I think it's important that we bring the issue up on a regular basis about FHA because everyone needs a shot at a home. Mm -hmm. We just want to make sure everybody understands that, at least according to Randy and other mortgage lenders, there isn't that much of a difference between FHA and a conventional loan. We're going to take a break. When we come back, how to prepare your home for a great quick sale this year and more. In the studio, well, coming from their individual offices or homes, because we are doing a COVID show once again as we continue through this. Lee Harris, Legal Counsel, Limestone Title and Escrow. You can reach Lee at 649-7964. Also, Randy Rocky, Swan Financial. You can reach Randy anytime at 645-0736. My son, Greg, who does our marketing, photography, an incredible job, and so much more. And you can reach me because we're continually looking for what well, we are, looking for homes to list and sell and to help buyers. You can reach me at 376-5483. Back in a moment on News Radio 840 
WHAS. Need a home loan or refinancing? You need to talk to Randy Rocky at Swan Financial. Why have they become so popular? Because of our programs, our service, and our competitive rates. And now listen to this new program from Swan Financial. Yes, we have a 1% down program that also you will get 2% grant money from the investor. Call Randy Rocky today at 866-766-1920. Swan Financial, NMLS 2473 and 26362. Equal housing opportunity. Call for additional cost information. Other restrictions may apply. This is Lee Harris, owner and attorney at Limestone Title and Escrow here in Louisville, Kentucky. We are an experienced team of processors and attorneys who will be happy to help you with your closing needs. We are known for our flexible closing times. We're open to nights and weekends, whatever suits you or your clients. We can help you provide a smooth and quick closing and help with difficult situations based upon our history of expertise and experience in closings. Call us anytime at 502-632-2277. Shopping for a home? The place to start is REMAX Properties East. Experienced, caring, top-producing agents who service all of Louisville and surrounding areas. On your computer or on your smartphone, head to homesinlouisville.com and sign into one of the most advanced home search sites in the country. That's homesinlouisville.com. Residential or commercial real estate, let the award-winning agents at REMAX Properties East help. Take the first step in your house hunting journey. Visit homesinlouisville.com or call 425-6000 today. Hi, I'm Barbara Corcoran. I'm constantly asked by news sources how to best navigate today's real estate market. I call the brightest agents in the business to get their input. Hi, Bob. What's going on in Louisville? Hi, Barbara. The Louisville real estate market is hotter than we've ever seen it. I'm so happy to hear that. With our exclusive marketing plan, we can get sellers top dollar right now. Get the best advice from my friend, Bob Sekoler. Go to WeSellLouisville.com. Be safe and smart. News Radio 840 WHAS, the Louisville Real Estate Show here with you until the top of the hour. And continuing with us, Randy Rocky, Swan Financial, 645-0736. Also, Lee Harris, Legal Counsel, Limestone Title and Escrow, 649-7964. My son, Greg, does our photography, marketing, and so much more in me. Bob Sekoler at 376-5483. By the way, thank you, Barbara Corcoran of Shark Tank fame. I just saw her buy another company a couple of uh, days ago on Shark Tank. Uh, she's doing real well, and I'm thrilled to be a, a friend and a, her to be my mentor. It's great stuff. All right, so we want to talk about how to make your pre- preparation for a sale of your home the very best this year. And there's a, a list we're going to give you, and I can always send this to you via email. Send me an email, bob at com, and put preparing home for sale. I'll send this to you. It's kind of a handout for you. Uh, additionally, if you have a question you want to get on the air, we'll get into a question in a couple of minutes, some of your questions, send me a, an email, bob at com, and in the subject line, put radio question. So preparing for the spring sale, wash all your windows, both inside it and out. Give your entry a facelift, either painting the door, cleaning the door, uh, maybe some pots with some plants on either side. Make sure all your exterior lights are working. Power wash outdoor surfaces, but be careful not to remove paint when you're power washing with too strong of a spray. Paint or replace the street numbers on your house. Not always 
not always attended to, but it's important not only for the look of your home, but in case there's a fire the, or police need to get there, you need to make sure they know what number your home is. Give every room a purpose. I was in one a couple of days ago that it didn't have a defined purpose. They had sold in preparation for sale. They had sold the dining room. And what I suggested was in preparation for sale, get a card table, put a tablecloth on it and set it for a dinner and make it look nice to give it a purpose. What was a dining room will become a dining room again. Let the light in. That means getting rid of old, outdated curtains. Even just put blinds or the little cloth types of drapes to give it a fresh look. Declutter your house. And I always say that declutter, declutter, declutter. If you think it's good, remove another third. And then clean everything. Make sure it's clean and fix anything that's broken. Because I'll, when, it, when times comes to sell, buyer's going to want you to fix it anyway. Why not get ahead of it? So do that. And you could have, a, hopefully, a very quick sale and for a lot of money. Oh, and then there is one more thing. Call Bob Sokoler at the Sokoler team to get your home listed and sold. And yeah, you can reach me, shameless plug, 376-5483. This next question comes in as an email. Lee, I checked with you. Let me read the question. A the, the listener, Jim, has a carbon monoxide detector that was installed and hardwired by the alarm company about six, year ago, six years ago in the laundry room next to the furnace and hot water heater. Last week, the alarm alerted Jim that the detector was bad. He called the alarm company. They said they would mail out a new one, and it would be here or there in about a week. So he didn't want to be without one until the new one arrived. So he went out and to the store and bought a new battery-operated one. And when he was reading the directions, it said that he needed to have uh, one in the same, all the bedrooms in the house, that there, there could possibly be a fire. And he always thought that you needed just one in the house near the furnace and maybe hot water heater. So the question is, how many, hot, how many smoke alarms should there be in a home and where should they be placed? And Lee Harris and I go back and forth on this. Lee your, your suggestions and information. I'm just going by what the, uh, you know, the fire uh, code is essentially. And, and, and I think it's way more than most people do because what the fire code essentially says is and what, the, and what all those smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detector instructions say is follow the code. And that's the manufacturer's guidelines because obviously one thing is they're trying to sell more detectors, and, you know, mm -hmm. so the more you have, the more they sell, right? Well, what the fire code says is you're supposed to have one in every bedroom, every floor of your house, and any outside area around bedrooms. So that includes the basement, the first floor, second floor, whatever you have. Most people don't have that. Most people have one outside their bedrooms, probably in their kitchen. Um, you're supposed to have one on every floor. So if you don't have one in your basement, you should put one down there and you should put one if you have two floors on the second floor, you know, near any bedrooms. Um, but the, the, the guidelines are way more than that. The, the guidelines are what I said. You're supposed to, you know, you could have you know, eight of them, basically, if you had a lot of bedrooms and several levels or whatever. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's hard to say because they say go by the manufacturer's guidelines, but, you know, a lot of times, you know, but, Lee, in Jefferson County, there is an ordinance that requires that sellers, between the time they get a contract and the time they sell, need yes. to have a smoke detector in the areas of bedrooms. So it could be a common hallway. Am I correct on that so far? Yes. And it has to be a, a hardwired or a 10-year lithium battery. Non-removable lithium battery, to be right. exact, exactly. right? Yes. Yes. And yet, the other counties surrounding Jefferson County do not require that. 
the problem is if it's important enough for Jefferson County to require it, why doesn't Oldham, Henry, Bullet? Why don't they require it? Or is Jefferson County overstepping it? I'm asking that rhetorically because I realize it's a county by county decision. But but equally important is the fact that the the information that we refer to as agents is actually written by the smoke detector company, which has a vested interest in yes. selling those smoke detectors. Right. Can't we hire or ask the fire department in the municipalities to actually write up what should be done and not rely on a company that wants to potentially make more money? Yeah. I mean, they, they, they basically what they say is go by the manufacturer's guidelines. And it's very, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of a conflict of interest to some degree. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I have to say, I would trust and feel good with any one of our firefighters coming forward and saying and going on the record and saying, this is where we think you need to have smoke detectors. These men and women put their lives on the line. And if anybody would know, they should know. I have a little yeah. problem with the smoke detector company. Who, who wants the liability is the question, right? Does, yeah, I know. Does what, the fire what, department is the manuf- you know. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know. All right. Th- just a point, and just hopefully that's some information for all of you as sellers and buyers what to look for in terms of smoke detectors. Randy, we got time for one question with regards to a mortgage problem. And Arnold says he has a problem with the company he chose when he started buying his home. Originally, Arnold says he was qualified to purchase the home. Now he's given them documents. And Arnold says that they have let him know in writing he's no longer qualified. He's already out money for an inspection. So does Arnold just go to another mortgage company? And Lee, does Arnold have any recourse against the original mortgage company that wrote up what appears to be a fake pre-approval letter or not correct pre-approval letter? Let's start with, with, uh, with you, Randy. Uh, yes, that's what I would do is go to another mortgage company and, um, I'll let Lee do the legal side. Yeah. I mean, I think in a lot of those pre-approval letters, there's a lot of that legalese that they've probably been told to say, which is, well, this is conditional on this, 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 and this. So they, they're not necessarily saying 100%. So I think it's going to depend upon, I don't, I think it's going to depend upon, uh, you know, was there something in his credit that he, that they didn't know about, or, you know, was, did his situation change? That, uh, that obviously can happen between the time of a pre-approval and a, and a, you know, closing. I've never heard of, of any buyer being able to, or, or, you know, bringing a claim against the lender for the pre-approval letter, not holding up. I've never mm-hmm. heard of that. Mm-hmm. Um, could it potentially happen if they legitimately just let him down the primrose path and he really had no chance ever at this loan? You know, that, that could happen, yes. You, you realize this is a seller's nightmare that a buyer comes with a pre-approval letter, and yet when they do the due diligence, they say, no, this buyer is uh, not Bob, approved. If you, make such, you make such a great point here. This is why we talk about in this, in this environment to protect everybody, have these good relationships, have a good agent who you know, and I, I'm not tooting just our home, I'm tooting all good agents, okay? Because there's a yeah. lot of agents in this market. Not all of them are good, but the good ones will have the relationships with the lenders that can pick up the phone. We're seeing multiple times, sellers will get on the phone with the lenders that are on the offers coming in yeah. to say, hey, how's this hold weight? Does this pre-approval look good? So recommend the listing agents, they're starting to do that. If you have a good relationship with your lender, they can reach out beforehand because if there's competition, you want to be first. We're seeing that as a way to win. So yep. 
you know. Well, we was. have, to speaking of, and we're out of time, we have a very good relationship with Randy Rocky over at Swan Financial, who, by the way, this past week had a great little get-together at his house. Uh, he ordered crawfish in. Um, yes. And all of them arrived. You had them shipped in, and they were all arrived dead. But like... Uh, yes, the day before. They, they flew in the day before, so it isn't like they were sitting there for a week. Right. My point, though, is Randy went out and in a matter of an hour or two was able to get enough seafood to work magic. And the party went on. Now, if he could do that with a all that matters, party, he's speaking Bob's love language. With, no, no. With listen, wait, wait, wait. Let me make this point. If he could do that with a last minute seafood problem, imagine what Swan can do in getting. <laughs> it does translate. Bob's right. It, it, yeah. it translates well. He, he does. Thank you, Bob. Randy you, is Greg. a take charge, get it done. And that's what you want when it comes to choosing a, uh, a loan officer and a mortgage company like Swan. And you can reach Randy, by the way, because he has plenty of shrimp left over because there was a lot of shrimp that he got. 645-0736. That's 645-0736. Also, Lee Harris, who does a great job. And the folks over at Limestone are spectacular. And by the way, the cookies continue to have people raving about closing at limestone title and their new offices by the way phenomenal 6497964 is lee's number again 6497964 my thanks to lee to randy my son greg who does our marketing and photography and so much more and you can reach me anytime 3765483 call me day or night even after the show 3765483 Thanks, everybody. See you next Monday right here on News Radio 840 WHAS.